excited about sharing this message with you guys this morning. And it's a message that um, is near and dear to my heart. And it definitely applies to us um, as moms. It definitely applies to us as dads. It definitely applies to each of us in our relationship with the Lord and the, and the intimate relationship that we have with the Lord. I fully believe, and it's, so, it's really interesting, guys. This is a, the fifth time the Lord has had me share this message. And the title of this message, I call it as Abide in Him. And this is the fifth time that I've um, shared this message. And, uh, you know, I believe that all of us are where we are in our lives, somehow, someway, walking with the Lord because we've had praying parents or grandparents or somewhere. We have had praying friends. We have pray, had praying relatives. Just somewhere down our family line, somebody has been praying for us that we would come into a personal relationship relationship with the Lord. Amen. And, you know, as we were sitting here in worship, the Lord just even started prompting me. He was reminding me. And, and I write about some of these things in my books. And I, I share about this many times when I teach on intercession. But he was reminding me of my grandmother this morning. And uh, I'll never forget when the Lord called Greg and I to, st- to go into uh, full-time ministry. And uh, Kendall was three years, nine months old, well, almost four. And the twins were newborn. And, uh, you know, and we had just bought a new home. And uh, we had just gotten a bigger car because we went from one child to three. And, uh, and so, and this was a faith walk. We knew that the ministry that was calling us and asking us to work with them, they said, listen, we know God wants you to work with us. We can't guarantee if you'll get paid every every paycheck, but you know we know God wants you to be with us, and we felt God wanted us to be with them, and we said yes. And I'll never forget my dad's mom when she called me and. She was a go-getter. She was 94. Uh, we called her Mimi, and she was in the nursing home, and she said, you know, that she wanted to be in that assisted living care nursing home because she had taught Sunday school and Bible study for 40 years without fail, and that she needed to be in there to make sure all those people in the nursing home got saved because, after all, they were no spring chickens is what she said. <laughs> and she's 94. And so that will tell you the kind of grandmother and the kind of woman that she was, very, very faithful uh, to the Lord. And I'll never forget get when she called me. I'm going to try not to get emotional. And she said, your dad's told me that you and Greg are going to go into full-time ministry, that you're going to be working for a prayer ministry. And I said, yes, ma'am, we are. And she said, and she, she, she wasn't real like ooey-gooey, touchy-feely, right? And, but she was always awesome and spoiled us rotten and let us eat anything we wanted to eat when we went to see her and would actually go to Six Flags with us and wa- ride the log ride with us. What a cool grandma, right? And so anyway, and so she said, well, I just want to tell you, you're the answer to my prayers. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, you know, we started the Baptist church, which they did. They started the Baptist church in Athens, Texas, she and her parents and her husband, my grandfather, and her cousins. And she said, in the Baptist church, you know, I'm very thankful for the Baptist church. And she said, I, you know, but the only thing I could do was teach Sunday school. But she said, you know, my grandfather was a Methodist pastor. And she said, and when he would preach his revival tent meetings, I would go with him. 
And even as a 10-year-old girl, I'd stand up on the platform when everyone went home and I'd start preaching to the empty pews about Jesus. And she said, and so when we started this church, the Lord told me to, to start teaching this Sunday school and this Bible study. And, and she said, every night before I would go to bed, I would kneel beside my bed and I'd pray, Lord, give us more souls. Lord, cause there to be more souls that come in to the kingdom of God. And, and then she said, and I always prayed, Lord, use me. Use me to impact people. Use me to touch lives. And she said, in my generation where God had me, I did everything I could do, but you are going to be the one that will be the fulfillment of all the prayers and the intercession into the nations. Then she said, how are the grandbabies? Let's quit getting, I'm crying at that point. Let's not cry anymore. How are the grandbabies? Let's talk something else. But all of us are someplace with the Lord because those who have gone before us, right? We've had somebody that loved us enough to pray us into the kingdom and into God's purposes. And a year ago, almost a year ago, I had been traveling like I am right now a lot and almost nonstop. And I was going to have a staycation. And when you have a staycation, you don't post on Facebook that you're home, right? I love, I love everybody. I don't mean that bad. But to have a staycation, you know, instead of a vacation, you just don't do social media for like the two weeks you're doing your staycation. And so Greg was like, and I'm a real people person, and I like to post everything on Facebook and talk about what we're doing. And, and so, you know, Greg's like, don't say that you're home on a staycation because it won't be a staycation. I said, okay. I was, I was good. I didn't do it. On the plane on the way home, the Lord said, Becca, I want you over this two-week period of time to pull out a, a book, Reese Howe's Intercessor. And I want you to reread that book. How many of you have heard of that book, Reese Howe's Intercessor? Powerful book. How many of you have read it? Yeah? And so whenever I read that book, Reese Howe's Intercessor by Norman Grebb, God starts to do something in me. It's not just me reading a book. There's like, an, that, like something that God is wanting to stir in me. So when I got home, I told Greg, God wants me to read Reese Howe's Intercessor over this two weeks. He goes, that's not a staycation. <laughs> and so I laughed. I said, I know, but it is with God. So I opened up that book and I began to read. And Reese House was a, a dynamic man of prayer. And he literally, through prayer and intercession, and the price that he paid, that, and, the, and the place that God took him in prayer and in intercession, Winston Churchill will, ap, will totally credit what happened in World War II with Britain as a result of the answers of the prayer of Reese House and his prayer group. And so they literally came into a place of intercession and prayer where they literally shifted history for a nation. And in this book, there is one chapter, and, it, it, and he's talking about binding the strong man. But I'm going to call the message that I'm teaching Abiding in Him. Because when you begin to read that chapter, the way that he was able to learn how to see great breakthrough come in people's lives through prayer was from a place of abiding with the Lord. And so when I'm talking about abiding, I'm not just meaning like that we pray, that we worship, that we read our Bible every day. Absolutely, that is part of it. 
But actually what he, the Lord started to speak to him, and we're going to look at these scriptures, and I'm going to be, for you guys there in the sound booth, I'm going to be in John 15, and I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read, start off and read verses 1 through 4. Um, and we'll go through probably to like verse 10 in this message. I'll just keep communicating with you. I'm going to read to you from the Amplified. And so I'm going to read you this verse, and I'm going to give you the definition of what it means to abide. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing fruit, he cuts away, trims off, takes away, and he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. I want excellent fruit. Do you guys want excellent fruit? Rich and excellent fruit, right? And then he goes on and he says in verse 3, You are cleansed and pruned already because of the word which I have given you, the teachings I have discussed with you. Then he goes on to verse 4, Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. The Amplified says, Live in me and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in, being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. Now this word abide, when you look it up, it literally means that you're continually and vitally united with that person or with that thing. So abiding isn't just, okay, we're hanging out together and spending time together, but there's this place of living together, vitally united, vitally connected, and abiding together in him. And so how many of us, and I'm just going to ask this, how many of us, you have gone, you go through seasons like you're doing great. God has you in this place of acceleration. You're experiencing great things of God. And then all of a sudden you feel like, oh, like some breaks sometimes get put on or, or it slows down. And you're like, man, what is happening here? What is going on here? And the reality is, is what God does is he takes us through processes of where he takes us into new places with him, new acceleration in the spirit, but then he'll start to like slow it down a little bit. He'll start to cause things maybe to stop or halt for a little bit because what he is doing is he's causing there to be a pruning of those things that need to be sloughed off that we can abide with him and dwell with him in such a new place that we will bear excellent fruit. Sometimes, you know, I know I have done this. Dan, I'm sure you have done this. You get in that place where things slow down. And I'm a warrior. Many of you know that, you know, and I, you know, I I tend to be on that warrior side. And it's just how God has made me. I'm a little feisty. I like people, though. I'm really nice. And, and, And so, but, you know, you get into that warfare place and you start to say, in the name of Jesus, I renounce this. I renounce what's going on here. This is warfare pulling me back. But many times it's not that. When I stop and I listen to the Lord and I hear what he's saying, he'll say, Becca, just abide. Just rest. Let me do this deep work in you. Let me cause there to be more excellent fruit that is birthed in your life. 
Now, what does this have to do with prayer? A lot. Just hold on, right? Then there are times where God, I'm going to come down a little bit. Can I come down a little bit? Yes, praise Jesus. All right. Then there are times that God will take us through seasons where he'll ask us to do things that other people are looking at you like, why are you doing that? They might not fully understand that, right? I, trust me, I have a great supportive family. But, you know, a lot of you know I trained nine years to sing opera, right? Woo! Okay, anyway, and so I did that. But when God started calling me to intercession and God started calling me into a place to pray for the nations and, and, you know, some of my family, you know, nine years, that's a lot of recitals, that's a lot of formal dresses, that's a lot of opera scenes, that's a lot of costume, right? So my parents had invested all this time and all this money. And so they're like, and, and praise God for my dad, right? Because my mom was a little, okay, I'm a mom, I'm going to support you, yay, but are you sure kind of thing? And I'll never forget the conversation that I had with my dad. I said, Dad, I said, this is really what Greg and I feel like the Lord is saying. And his response to me was, well, the perfect place to be is right where God wants you to be. You've always been a woman that has a lot of talents and gifts, it doesn't surprise me at all that God's changing up your seasons. Everyone might not understand it, but if that's where God wants you to be, that's right where you need to be. So sometimes God might even start directing our lives in a way, right, that we don't even fully understand so we can bear more excellent fruit for him and for his kingdom and in our lives. Is everybody okay? I'm going to read one more scripture. I'm going to turn to one. 1 John 2, 6. I had it marked. 1 John 2, 6. I'm actually going to start in verse 5. 1 John 2, verses 5 through 6. But whoever keeps his word truly has the love of God perfected in him. By this we know we are in him. Whoever says he remains in him ought to walk as he walked. You know, God calls us to guard our place of abiding with him. The Lord gave me this phrase this morning. He said, self must be released from itself to be an agent of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say it again. Self must be released from itself to be an agent of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? And so when we abide in him, when we are remaining in him, when we are walking with him, we begin to bear more and more excellent fruit in our lives. And even those things of self that might not be from God, self will die from itself in order to be an agent of Holy Spirit. When we abide with him, we know his voice. We learn his voice. 
We know what, what is he asking us to do? What is he asking us to pray? We know when he's pleased. We know when he's not pleased. And guys, I'm going to be really transparent as I'm sharing this message this morning because we're going to get to the prayer and intercession part because this scripture gets really good as we keep going. But the reality is, you know, we're pouring into people's lives. We're traveling. We're praying in nations. Praise God. Glory. Hallelujah. But do you know, when I started reading this, and I was reading this chapter, and the Lord started speaking these verses to me, do you know what, Holy, what the Lord told me, what the Holy Spirit said to me? He said, you have become so busy, you have left your place of abiding. Lord, forgive me for not abiding. Lord, cause me to be sensitive to abide in you. When we're in a place of abiding, we know what he's asking us to lay down, and we know what he's asking us to step into. I have written down here in my notes, God doesn't just want like he did, he did, he wants us not to be like Holy Spirit monuments, but he wants us to be Holy Spirit movements. He wants us to be agents of his Holy Spirit, where we are moving with him and we are partnering with him. So I want to keep reading and back to John 15, because we're going to start tying this in uh, into prayer. Everybody good? I am the fine, you are the branches, whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. Verse 6 talks about people who don't dwell with him. This does not apply to us, but I'm just going to read it out. If a person does not dwell in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch and withers. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and they are burned. But in verse 7, if you live in me, abide vitally united to me and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. So what the Lord is saying here is we continue to abide in him. As we continue to learn his voice and grow in a deeper relationship with him. We're vitally connected and united to him. Our desires, what we want become his desires, what he wants. When we are praying in agreement with him, we ask and it shall be given to us. Not selfishly, you hear what I'm saying, but in partnership with his kingdom. God, what is on your heart today? What is your desire that I can pray? And when I'm praying, when myself is not praying, but what you want is praying. What is on your heart that I am vitally united and connected to? When I pray and I speak it out, it shall be given to you. I love it. You know, God's not a man that he would lie. If he puts something in the Bible, if he says it, it means it can absolutely apply to us, right? <laughs> Are you good? 
When you bear much fruit, my Father is honored and glorified, and you show and prove yourselves to be true followers of mine. So when we produce fruit, we're honoring him. We're glorifying him. Listen, I'm going to give you an example. A place of abiding, not even is just in prayer and intercession. A place of abiding can be faithful in a season where God has you in. It can be faithful to, you know, if God's calling you to to minister and to pray for people at the altar, being faithful in that season of releasing God's love to those people at the altar, that is a place of abiding. And as you abide in that place, God will increase in you. There will be more excellent fruit and he will then release you into another season, more authority, more anointing, more assignments. Something really way cool, like we have been doing deliverance ministry when I started leading when I was 24, right? And so, and I've been praying for people, praying for people and the deliverance, still do. Not, not myself a lot now, I do it at the altar more because I'm traveling so much, but seeing people get set free is awesome fun, right? You want to see people's lives transformed for God's glory. And, and so I'm doing this and, you know, lots of times things we're doing for the Lord in that abiding place is very hidden, and so I'm praying for people, ministering to people. And, 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 you know, I got invited to go minister in Aruba in 2007. And I like the sun in the beach. So Greg and I figured if someone has to suffer for Jesus in Aruba, it might as well be me. And so, and so I'm on the plane going to Aruba, woo-hoo, you know. And, and, and the plane wasn't totally full. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm a real people person, but I sleep really good on planes. You can get caught up on naps. You can get caught up on a book. So I've I've just learned don't look at people. If you don't look, they might not talk, you know, unless God tells me I'm supposed to talk to them, and I do. And so I'm sitting there. The plane takes off. I'm listening to music, and I had the, the whole row, all three seats to myself. Glory, hallelujah. So I have my legs all stretched out. I am totally relaxed listening to my worship music and this lady comes up and she sits down in the seat right next to me expecting me to move my legs I'm thinking there's 20 other empty seats on this plane and so she gets right next to me and I didn't look at her still I just kind of moved over and she tapped me on the shoulder and so I I looked at her I said and she said Um, can I ask you a question? And I said, okay. She said, you're a Christian, right? I went, yes. She said, do you understand deliverance ministry and how to cast out demons? Now, we're at 30,000 feet. And I'm looking at her, and I look up like, you know, and then it made me a little, why are you asking? You know, and she said, I need deliverance. And she said, and I've been praying for the right person. And she said, I will tell you who I am, but please don't tell people my name and what I'm going to ask you to pray over. I said, okay. She said, I'm Catherine Kuhlman's second cousin. And God is calling me into ministry to see captives set free. But there's a generational family curse on my family bloodline I'm struggling with. And I need freedom. And I need someone to pray for me that won't tell people my name and what the issue is. And when you walked on the plane, the Lord said, you're it. Can you help me get set free so I can go into deliverance ministry? Now, do you know who Catherine Coleman is? 
Yeah, some of you don't. She was a very famous revivalist healer, uh, saw thousands of souls, saw, I I don't even know how many healings. Incredible, dynamic woman of God. And this was her second cousin. So I prayed for her. And to prove who that she was, who she was, when she got home, she sent me a DVD of family footage that only Catherine Kuhlman's family can have with her in it with Catherine when she was a little girl. And so I'm just like, well, you know, so God can take things of what we're doing, even in a place of abiding, of hiddenness, and at the right time cause people, because of what God has deposited in us in excellent fruit, to be drawn to what we have, and we can see great answers and breakthrough come. It's kind of fun when the miracles come looking for you, um, even when you're wanting to worship and take a nap. With Reese House, what the Lord told him to do, they were establishing a mission in a village. I love this testimony, guys. And, and when they would leave in this, mission, in this village, they would call their churches like missions. There were a lot of unsaved people. They were going to get people saved. And so there was a group of women. Uh, there were, they were prostitutes in the area, and they were drinking, and they were always very rambunctious. And they would hang out close to the mission whenever Reese and his group was leaving. And so they, they started walking out, <laughs> and um, one lady, he would say the ringleader of the group, shouted out to him and said, what can Jesus do with us? Like a challenge in the spirit. And Reese just looked and he walked off and the Lord told him, take that challenge. And he said, for the next six weeks, I want you every night to abide with me. Now, when Reese first started spending that two hours every night, of course he started to pray for her salvation. But very quickly, the Lord spoke to him and said, She will be saved by Christmas Day because of your place of hiddenness and intercession and abiding, and you won't have to say one word to her. She will just walk into the service and cry out, I'm lost and I have to get saved. So this is something really key we have to understand in abiding. Alice Smith calls it, when the horse dies, dismount. When we're abiding in him, when God has spoken that word of this is going to happen, the breakthrough is going to come, if we keep pressing in like God hasn't spoken that, now we're praying from a place of doubt and unbelief. Might as well write a void check across those prayers. When you know God has spoken, And he says that the answer is coming. You start saying, God, I thank you. I pray in agreement with you that this is going to happen. So Reese said, okay, I've got that victory in prayer. So then what happens? The Lord says, no, you're going to keep staying here till the full six weeks is over. This will be my time to do a deep work in you. And the more of me you get in your life, the more excellent fruit, the more anointing I do in you, that will continue to pave the way in the spirit for this woman to get saved by Christmas Day. He said God did such a deep work in him. Self died from itself in that six weeks in Reese Howe's life. Smith Wiggleworth said, we can be so endued with the Holy Spirit in the morning that it is tonic for the whole day. 
This is Reese Howe's season where this happened. One of them. And so six weeks comes. It's Christmas, right? When we have Christmas, you know, when we have our Christmas celebration here, it's fun, but, you know, it's not like we're preaching the gospel, get saved, you know. I mean, we're doing the presents. People are singing, and we do the, the candlelight, you know. I mean, and we're all woohoo and cookies and fattening stuff that we don't eat all year and pigging out, right, right. You know, it's just a celebration. It's not like the kind of service that people are just going to walk in and fall on their knees and say, I'm lost, I need to get saved. So they were having that kind of Christmas service. And this woman walks in the back door, in the middle of the children, running around, opening presents, screaming and having a good time. And she falls on her knees and shouts out loud to the whole entire church, I'm lost and I need to be saved. Show me the way to Jesus. I want to abide with Jesus like that. I want to abide that when we have our next Christmas celebration, that people come in and just being in the room in God's presence, they shout, what must I do to be saved? When we were in Houston in the church, God started moving. We were praying. The intercessors have been praying faithfully for years. God, we want to move. God, we want a revival. Guys, I'm speaking this to encourage you that you cannot give up and you have to continue to persevere. God, you are faithful to your promises. God, we want to move of your spirit. God, we say yes and amen. And God started moving. Do you know that people would drive by the church who were lost and feel God? God's presence as we were worshiping and rush in and run to the altar and throw themselves down and say, what must I do to be saved? I don't know Jesus. And we'd never met him a day in our lives. Why not here? Why not through us? Why not through Antioch? Why not in Colorado Springs? We watched it. Pastors' wives. This is not prophetic in any way, shape, or form. Pastors' wives that grew up in pastors' homes would come into the church service. Two of them had been raised as pastors' children, been married to pastors, walked into a Sunday night service, threw themselves down at the altar and said, I'm lost, I'm lost, I don't know Jesus. In front of the whole church, they were pastoring. That kind of abiding in God. Everybody good? Apart from him, we can't do it. Without him, we begin to spiritually wither. If we abide in him, he lives in our hearts. He is our friend. He is our friend. I'm going to keep reading. Are you guys okay? I'm going to start reading in verse 9. You guys back there. John 15. I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Abide in my love. Continue in his love with me. If you keep my commandments, if you continue to obey my instructions, Lord, what are your instructions for me today? Lord, what are your instructions for me tomorrow? 
Lord, what are your instructions for me over the next week? Lord, who is it you're assigning to me today? Who is it that I'm going to abide for today? I have told you these things, listen, that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy and gladness may be a full measure and complete to overflowing. I'm not being critical. I think we just read the cure to depression. I have told you these things that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy and gladness may be a full measure and complete and overflowing. Guys, I used to be bound by depression. I'm not gonna go into my personal testimony about that today, but I can tell you, I love the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm a happy person. I have joy. I like to laugh. I like to have fun. My daughters made me go zip lining in a very high place on my 48th birthday, and I screamed and yelled, woohoo! And had tons of joy, and it echoed through the canyons. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And when his joy is complete in our abiding, our joy is complete and full. Is everybody good? Verse 12, this is getting better. Hold on. This is my commandment that you will love one another as I have loved you. I love you guys. I love you, Martha. I love you, Tommy. I love you, Betty. I love you, Jerob. I love you guys. Is it hard to love people sometimes? Is it? Sometimes is it hard to love people? Guys, we can find a place in him that runs so deep that even when it's hard to love, we can learn to love with his heart and not ours. Lord, this hurts. I don't want to love that person, but I love them. Ask me, Becca, to give you my heart for them. Don't love them from your strength. Love them from my heart. Abide in me until you get that love. <laughs> Listen, you are my friends. If you keep on doing the things which I command you to do, I do not call you servants, slaves any longer, for the servant does not know what his master is doing or working out. But I have called you my friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. I have revealed to you everything that I have learned from him. You have not chosen me. I have chosen you. And I have appointed you, I have planted you, that you might go and bear and keep on bearing and that your fruit may be lasting, that it may remain, abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name as presenting all that I am, he may give it to you. Betty Morales, you're my friend. Jesus and Holy Spirit, are as real to me as you are. They're my friend. He's so faithful. He's so awesome. He's such a good friend. 
Can I be real transparent, guys? And then I'm going to share a testimony. When I was going through this and I got to this part on love, these were the four questions that the Lord asked me last March. When I was, he was birthing this message. What have you done for someone else lately, Becca, that's sacrificial? Are you close enough to the heart of God, that you, to my heart, that you truly love others with my heart? Wow. Are you able to love the unlovely? <laughs> Ouch. You know, and here was my response. God, I'm praying for people all over the world. But Becca, are you doing it from a place of love? Are you doing it out of a place of duty and obligation? Have you laid down, what have you laid down in your life for me lately? So my staycation was birthing this message. My staycation was in my prayer room. See, when your daughters go to college, you don't have a prayer closet. You get a prayer room with a day bed. Glory, hallelujah, right? So I'm on the floor in my prayer room during my staycation, saying, God, I need a fresh touch. Forgive me where I have not abided, where I needed to. Forgive me for allowing the busyness of what you have called me to do and to be to replace that place of abiding with you. I'm going to end with a testimony from Russia. Guys, when I went to Russia, to say Jehovah's sneaky. God is a sneak, you know. <laughs> I like the fun in the sun, and he sends me to Vladivostok, Russia. I'm going to share this testimony. I'm going to pray over you corporately. I want this word to encourage you guys. He is our friend. Moms, if you're praying for prodigals, <laughs> parents, if you're believing for a child, if you're believing for a spouse, you're believing for a loved one, God is a God that can bring breakthrough. Maybe he's going to take you into a place of abiding. Maybe he's going to show you, hey, if you do this for six weeks, thank you. You are reading my mind. If maybe he'll take you into a place of abiding. Maybe he'll say for six weeks, if you'll do this, you'll see this happen. Maybe if you'll do this, you'll see this happen. I went to Russia in 2001. Greg and I took a team. And we prayed in the oldest cities across Russia. God, bring a move to this nation. God, touch these people. So I get an invitation to go minister in Vladivostok, Russia. And, and it's cold and it's on the border of China and North Korea and the Sea of Japan is frozen like four feet of frozen ice frozen. And it, yes, it, I mean like, and they got baptized. I'll tell you that in a minute. They cut out a piece of that ice and they got baptized in the Sea of Japan 
because they wanna honor all the believers who were persecuted for their faith that always chose to get baptized in the Sea of Japan. And so instead, in Roman, their pastor says, I will get a tub. And they're like, we are going to honor all of those who were persecuted for their faith and got baptized like this in the Sea of Japan. We want to align with the prayers from the past. We want to align with the Christians from the past and we will get baptized no other place but in the Sea of Japan, whether it's summertime or whether it's wintertime, we'll, we will go through the cold. You know, they got in that water with the flu and came out healed. And guys, I mean, it, it was cold. They had icicles on their hair and I was traumatized. You can hear me on the video going, oh dear Jesus, you know, how can they do that, right? And these 68-year-old woman going into that water with colds and a sniffle, not feeling good, getting baptized, just got saved, came out totally healed, on fire for God. And they don't even get frostbite or have one physical pain in their body. That's a place of abiding. Praise God. Please, God, don't ask me to do that, right? But I get to Russia, and I'm seeing these kind of people in Vladivostok. When we were there 15 years ago, the man that's leading this church now, Roman, in Moscow, high on heroin, didn't know the Lord, had an encounter with Jesus where he saw Jesus and then he saw hell. And he came out of that heroin encounter and he ran to the first Christian and said, I got to get saved. That man has built a ministry off of drug addicts, homeless, and prostitutes. He will be in every province in Russia in the next year. He has trained sons and daughters that go everywhere. Do you know what's amazing? This is really what's amazing. That because they were prostitute and drugs at, drug addicts, they were all had AIDS. They get saved. They get baptized. All the symptoms have left their bodies. They're a medical phenomena. They can't, doctors can't figure it out. They're married, they have children, and nobody, none of their children contract AIDS. They're living on in God's love. Joyce Nicodin, you are living on in God's love. You had a love encounter with him and you will live to a ripe old age in his love. Had an encounter with God's love and they are living on in God's love so much so the government calls them in and says, what is it that you're doing? How are you doing this? This is impossible. But then they're kind of afraid of them too. So when you preach the KGB is there, you just don't know who they are. So I'm like, get them saved, God, right? I'll never forget one of the women in the prayer room where they've had prayer going on for our nation, the nation of Russia and the nations of the world for over 12 years nonstop. There was this little old babushka and we go down into that prayer room in the basement in an old building. And one of the prayers we have prayed is not God not only caused there to be a movement, caused there to be an awakening in the Orthodox Church. I walked into that prayer room wanting to meet these intercessors and she came running up to me. And she, they kiss you right on the lips, whether you want it or not. And she grabbed me and hugged me and kissed me right on my lips and wept. She said, I hear you came and prayed in 2001. She said, I was in the Orthodox Church. Your prayers are what got me saved. Thank you so much. 
Now, there are other intercessors all around the world that have been praying for Russia. It wasn't just me. I'm not going to... There's been thousands, years, persecuted Christians. But the reality is what we did in 2001 was a very hidden thing of abiding for that nation. 14 years later, God plants us in to see fruit of the exact things that we did in a very hidden place in intercession of abiding to see the fruit that is being birthed in that nation. So I want to encourage you. We can abide in such a place that we can see great things happen in our families. We can see great things happen in our city. We can see great things happen in our nation. We can see great things happen in the nations. It's not over. God's the end. We sang it today. Jesus is the end. Even if we don't see the fulfillment of our abiding, even if we don't see the answers to the prayers in our generations, trust me, mama and daddy. Trust me, leaders. Trust me, brothers and sisters. It will land on someone in the generation ahead and they will be the fruit of what we have plowed and interceded for and they will carry it greater than we ever have. So God, even if I abide and I don't see it in my lifetime, God, I will abide in that place with you. I will bear more and more and more excellent fruit for you. Even if it means hiddenness. Lord, however you choose for me to abide, I say, God, here I am. And let it bring blessing to a thousand generations of those who love you. So I'll pray for you guys. Can you stand? If God can save that woman who never heard anyone talk to her about Jesus one-on-one, he can save your lost family member. I taught this, had a friend. Her son was in prison. The Lord had been telling her, if you will just abide. He had been telling her, if you fast three days a week, he'll break, he'll, he'll have breakthrough. She started doing it and he'd get better. She came up to me weeping and she said, and then I got lazy because he got better. And he'd fall right back into the trap. And she heard me preach this message and she said, God, forgive me, I'm gonna abide. Do you know he totally got released? He is now moving with the Lord. He is now getting breakthrough and what seemed totally impossible has now shifted for this young man's life because mama said, I'm gonna be faithful in that place of abiding. Can be different for each of us. I think, and this is what I'm learning from me. I'm teaching you what God convicted me of. I haven't seen breakthrough in areas that I needed because I wasn't willing to go to the deep place of abiding that that place required for breakthrough. God, I'm abiding now. So Lord, I thank you for Antioch. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I thank you that you are our friend, that you love us and that we abide in you and we walk in friendship and we walk in love with you, that our self dies and we are in partnership with you and we pray and breakthrough comes. 
God, show us where we need to abide. Show me, God. How can I abide further? What is my next assignment? God, we thank you for all the words that you've spoken into our lives, over our families, over our children, over our loved ones, over the church and the city. God, let us be ones that will persevere. Let us be ones that will hear your voice, not man, but your voice to abide in the place of revival and glory and transformation, salvation and breakthrough. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise. You are a faithful God, Jesus. You do not lie. You do not lie. You are pure truth and holiness. And we stand on the faithfulness of your pure truth and your pure holiness. In Jesus' name.